I want you to go as quietly as possible. Do not make a sound until I tell you to run. Then run as quickly as you can. Now, does everybody understand? Welcome to the Safina Society podcast. Today we are joined once again by myself, Dr. Shadi, uh, Elias, and Saad. So a number of years ago, I took a film class at Rutgers and one of the films we watched a lot of uh, Alfred Hitchcock films and one of the films that I saw was it's called Birds and there's a scene in this film <clears throat> in which uh, a bunch of birds attack this town and there's a scene in which there's a woman uh, I forget who was the actress but she comes out of this school Tippy and there's Tippy Hedren yeah you're right and she comes out of the school and <clears throat> there's a bunch of kids singing a song and a bunch of birds start landing on this jungle gym behind her and the camera sort of pans out uh, as she's, I think, smoking a cigarette or something. And it shows, and it's supposed to be this, this uh, visual of fear. The reason I bring up this movie is because there was a number of copycat films made off of this movie. One of those being the killer bees. And this movie has for years just scared me to, to no end. There's a bunch of other copycats like the killer spiders and the, killer ants and the killer whatever and they try to do something similar to the bees i'm not really sure why this movie just terrified me but ever since i'm a kid i've been a kid uh i've just been irrationally afraid of bees i think it's because i stuck my head into a mailbox and got stuck by stung by like four or five bees at the same time mm. ever since that day i've just been terrified i bring it up because we all have fears and things that terrify us and those might be different and there's always in my mind there's been a difference between how we understand fear such as you turn a corner and somebody something startles you you have uh, bees inside of your car and there's another fear which is the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the fear of uh, punishment the fear of these types of things. So I wanted to bring that up to you and talk about what fear means to the Muslim uh, and how we're supposed to really understand fear and courage and hope. Well, I would start by separating two things, uh, you know, right off the bat. And that's the Imani based, that which is based in Iman and that which is based in, in life. Right. And that things that are based in life, we call them like Tajrivi sciences, which is, cause and effect and experimental and anybody can master those a muslim and a non-believer can both master those and it's just trial and error so you could learn for example you could learn how to use elect you know be an electrician you don't have to learn that from a mu'min right you can learn it from anybody you can learn it from a zindiq okay you don't say your aqid is false so <laughs> i'm not going to learn electricity from you right uh it doesn't make a difference so that's what we call that tajribi knowledge right also, uh, there, the second type of knowledge is, you know, al-aqli knowledge, which is reason and intellect and math and, and all those things. Those things, too, you can learn from anybody. But the only, and from the transmitted knowledge, there's three types of knowledge. There's transmitted, tajribi, and aqli. 
The transmitted knowledge is you can also learn from anyone, which is basically language. You can learn history from people. But the one part of the transmitted that you can't learn is that which is uh, the transmission of Quran and Hadith, the deen, right? Basically, the prophets give us transmitted knowledge. So, so the idea of transmitted knowledge is uh, that's going to be limited to only mu'minin uh, uh, and iman. So when we're talking about fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's very different than regular fears that you're talking about. The regular topic of fear, you can really learn how to deal with it from anybody in the same way that you can lose, learn how to lose weight from anybody. However, the fear, there are some commentaries about fear from the Quran, okay? which is that fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala frees you from the worries and the fears of, from anything else. And we're commanded to fear Allah and not fear other things. So Allah downgrades fear from creation and he actually tells us that fear of Allah is an empowering thing, whereas fear of creation is a crippling thing. So that's really the big difference. Fear of Allah is, is empowers a person because it makes you not have to worry about a million creations. And it's true, right? Allah should be feared, whereas creation should not be feared. Okay. So when it comes to regular fears, like I'm afraid of the dark or the heights or something, anybody could help you get, out, get around that. And we should separate that from religion. But when it comes to the, you know, the what Allah says about fear, He tells us that fear of Allah Taala is is a freeing. It frees a person, whereas free fear of creation cripples a person. So that's where taqwa comes in. Taqwa is, it frees a person and it gives them energy. When you have fear of Allah, it actually gives you energy, right? Whereas fear from the creation, you know, pulls you down. Yeah. But isn't it the case? <clears throat> that even Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses worldly fears uh, as examples. So, you know, your skin will boil, um, <clears throat> things like things like that. Heat. Well, that's, that's bodily fears, right? Right. So not, wor- yeah, it's, it's and, and there are worldly fears too. Sin, a prophet said, sins beget poverty. If you, dis- if you keep doing sins, right, you lose your, your wealth and everyone, Allah knows everyone loves their wealth, right? Or, honor right if you keep repeating a sin and you don't make toba you have no shame then your honor will be is at risk at that mm. point Allah Ta'ala can expose you can have someone you know be humiliated humiliation is one of the punishments of this world so just because a punishment is, for, is from Allah doesn't mean it's only in the afterlife it could be in this life too actually if all you had is punishments of this life it would be enough if people actually understood them and saw them happening to people like there's well, Punishment's coming on America. We can see it right now, right? And I mean, think about it. Every, we're, we're having a, a multiple organ failure in America. The police, that whole institution is in crisis. Uh, the judiciary, right? These female judges being killed by, by you know, red pill men's rights guys. And not, not even them, their, their families. I don't know if you're aware of this, right? But just down the road from my house, Judge Salas, her wife like we don't know her but we know her colleague i actually get we actually get free security i don't know why i'm paying adt anymore i want to stop it because when i'm going out for fudge i'm seeing a truck police truck a suv so he i slowed down i was like why why is there a guy right in my neighborhood at four o'clock in the morning so i pulled the window down we chit chat a little bit he's doing around the clock security for a federal judge who lives in our neighborhood Mm. because of judge salas's murder 
right? Because she was, or, sorry, her family was killed. So she now, my, the, a neighbor of ours, gets around-the-clock security when she takes walks, because she takes walks every day, right? She now has to walk with a secret security person or, or secret service person, not, I don't know, secret service, security person jogging next to her and a cop car behind her. So we're actually all benefiting from this because we're getting free security, right? <laughs> so, uh, but point being is that you have multiple organ failure in America. The police, the judgeship, okay, these female judges whose families are being killed, okay, what happened twice, but it is unique, or maybe three times. You got, you know, the presidency is in complete chaos. No one knows how this election is going to go. You got coronavirus. You got Black Lives Matter and riots in the streets, Antifa riots in the streets in, in Portland, Oregon, and these places. You got the schools. They have no clue what they're going to do in September. Every state is in complete chaos. They don't know. Are they going to go back? This is multiple organ failure. That's punishment, right? And we're supposed to fear this worldly punishment, right? As much as we fear Akhirah. And if, if all people knew and contemplated the presence of worldly punishment, that should be enough to fuel your taqwa. Right. So I, but at, as a main point, taqwa is one thing and the topic of fear can really be another thing, which with some in uh, somewhat being informed by revelation, you know, as mm. in as much as revelation has something to say about this worldly topic of fear. But does taqwa help you in like normal everyday fears? I would say general hope in a uh, when you know fear is the opposite of fear is hope right and a moment is going to have a far greater uh you know standing on or grounding in hope than someone who doesn't have a law right? that's 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 relating to fear and hope with a law but yeah. uh if the types of things that moeen is talking about like you're scared that your kid is going to fall off his bike and get hurt oh yeah like those no, kind of anxieties uh, right yeah um i, th I think that's um it could be separate, you know. I don't necessarily see that it's a thousand percent tied into it. Right. And it may not have an exact sort of textbook answer in in Sharia. Right. Because we say that like fear of anything other than Allah is is haram. You should only right. fear Allah. But that doesn't relate necessarily to things like, you know, this dog is attacking me. I'm scared of the dog. It relates to more metaphysical fears sure. yeah correct and and the best way to go about this i think is just talk about fear right and then as we talk about it as muslims we'll see where is it that it's pure psychology and 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 upbringing and mental habits and where is it that iman comes into play right yeah so yeah. Yeah. And if you think about something that's occurring now, right? Like, say, let's say the coronavirus. Yeah. There was a point in March where when everybody came to know of this thing, right, it became a, oh, we need to worry about this virus. We're scared of what's going to happen. We're scared of what could happen to our families and our community. And then there's another side where we hear, oh, you shouldn't fear anything but Allah. Oh, you know, for example, talking about men, men shouldn't have fear. So how do we sort of uh, understand both of these types of things? Is it fear to take precautions? Is it fear to... I personally feel that people should not bring in the topic of taqwa and fear of Allah when we're talking about regular, you know, worldly matters in this because you're confusing things. So you're telling me 
that someone who's afraid to cross the street is here because he has low man. Someone who's mm. like, you bring some Muslim from Kentucky and you bring him to Manhattan for the first time and this, the boulevards are so huge and the cars are coming so fast and he's so nervous, right? Or you bring my grandmother from Egypt. We never knew this. She could not ride an escalator for her mm. life, right? You're going to tell me that has to do with Iman? So certain things should not be mixed. Just like when you say, look, you, you did good on your SAT, you did bad on your SAT. I mean, of course, dua and iman and taqwa has something to do with it, but this is just about studying, right? Yes, of course, we're going to bring, but I don't actually personally don't like an excessive mingling of these two different things, right? These two completely separate topics. And this is not even, it's not removing deen or iman from the picture. It's not. But it's, it's, it's putting everything in its place, okay? I mean, weight loss. Does weight loss have anything to do with Islam? Tell me. Honestly, right? It has nothing to do with Islam. Then you say, oh, well, we fast Ramadan. Half the Ummah's overweight and fast Ramadan, right? <laughs> so uh, so that, what I'm saying is that these types of things, I think people really muddy and confuse things. And a lot of things, more than we think, can just be viewed from a, a, a tajribi perspective. You know? Also, you know, I think to your point, if 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 you kind of mingle them a little too much, then it can also be the source of inaction in a lot of cases, right? It's like, yeah, oh, exactly. I'm relying on, on God for everything, so I'm not going to do anything, right? I'm not going to take any precautions. I'm not going to wear my seatbelt because, you know, I will be protected, right? And it's like, no, you believe that you'll be protected, but also wear your seatbelt. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, before your Alex belt. goes into the seatbelt thing that it doesn't work. <laughs> uh, that was an example, okay? <laughs> Alex is about to bust out the stats. <laughs> I'm, I'm, ju- I'm just saying that as people wear more seatbelts, it doesn't protect people from it. He's the actually guy. <laughs> actually. <laughs> but you, but you, you know that uh, some people, the one I look at it from a different perspective, which is that Allah says in the Quran, don't say about Allah what you have no knowledge of. So, Unless Allah tells us something explicit about a matter, we shouldn't just try to bring in things, right? You know, that, that are like tangential, tangentially related. And certain things should be given. It should be a given that we, that Muslims that believe in Allah have taqwa. That stuff is a given, right? So I think, I think a lot of these it's very nat- It's very natural, though, for people to think that, oh, I have anxiety, oh, I have uh, fear of the unknown, I have, um, I'm not able to do public speaking, I'm not able to do these types of things, I'm not able to meet people, uh, it's because this is because I have low weak iman, right? It's, it's a very natural oh, I- thing that people feel because iman also does give you something that other things don't, which is it gives you courage because it gives you, it allows you uh, to hold on to something, right? Uh, that yeah. is very firm. And it gives I you agree. courage to, to go into doing certain things. Certain things like anxiety. We know that it's in, mentioned directly in the Quran, right? By the remembrance of Allah, the hearts find tranquility, right? But there are certain, you know, things where it really should be addressed as, as a topic in itself, Okay, uh, you know, like say public speaking. There are techniques for that, right? That can be that Allah, and that's also obedience to Allah, because Allah put techniques out there for everything. He said there's no sickness without there being a cure in the earth. Allah has not created a sickness unless He's created for it a cure, 
So finding those cures, finding those techniques and going on that journey, no one should imagine that that's distance from Allah either. Just because I'm not using explicitly and overt Islamic terminology does not necessarily mean that uh, I've divorced my Iman and I've become like secular on this topic. It's not, not at all. And I think, in fact, uh, you know, the asbab, the idea of asbab, taking asbab is one of the reasons that our ummah is behind. We don't respect it. Allah told us, take the asbab. We don't respect it. We've confused that taking asbab is relying on other than Allah. No, Allah didn't say rely on asbab. He said, take the asbab and rely on me. Can I don't think we take... Example? Give us an example like the Ottoman Empire. These, they took asbab. They worked. They filed. They had organization. They, they uh, you know, if you look at them, yes, they were mu'mineen. They had deen. They, but they took asbab. They organized their army. Right? They didn't just say, let's just rely upon Allah and go into the battle. Their army was organized. They used psychology. They had, you know, they've studied matters. Are all the Muslim scientists in the world and before this, right? Like you always say, why do we have to have uh, like a Muslim app? Why don't we just have a good app, right? right. It, it, happened, it happened to be by Muslims, right? That's the mentality that I actually take and I like is that uh, if something is a tajribi science, then just tackle it by cause and effect study the cause and effect that Allah created and don't come and bring me theology and say well we don't really believe in causation of course I know that I'm the first person who knows that but when we actually live life <laughs> when we actually live life we talk we say the word this causes that whenever this happens that happens so that's what I'm talking about studying the esbab right instead of you know uh, disrespecting the system that Allah created by just saying, I'm going to, as a mu'min, I'm going to bypass it all by just barakah. You know, I think it's actually, yeah. That's, that's Jannah. That's not the dunya. Exactly. That's Jannah. And this life, whenever Muslims did, they did research. They did, you know, uh, what is it? R&R. Uh, uh, research and what? R&D. R&D. And development. R&R is rest and relaxation. Rest and relaxation. <laughs> We're doing too much of that these days. So research and development and all that stuff. And just follow the material cause and effect that Allah put in this world. I mean, that's the, the whole science of, of Rijal, right? Yeah. It's not just, oh, well, he's a Muslim. He knows the hadith. You don't it's make a, anything up. So why would he make something up? That's no, a great you, example. You investigate scientifically. Could he have met this person? Did he live there at that time? How old was that person when he had, you know? That's, that's the best example. And it's our whole religion is based upon this. The sun, without, yeah. without hadith, what do we have? We don't have Eid. We don't have Salah. We don't have anything. So the muhaddithin themselves, Imam Malik said, I know 90 men of Medina. I would ask them for their dua, but I would not take hadith from them. So they were the most pious, like we would call awliya, right? Ask them for their dua. Their dua is accepted. But Malik would not take hadith from them. He said they're not from the people of hadith. They're, they don't have the precision, right, of how to narrate, right? So they don't have the know-how, okay? So uh, let, let's take a look at Prophet Yusuf, How did he become so knowledgeable of the world? Like when, when Prophet Yusuf is described as uh, he has the knowledge of uh, it, it, it didn't say interpretation, right? He has knowledge of events. When he says that, where did he learn this knowledge of events? Did he learn it with the Prophet Yaqub? No. He learned it at the Aziz's house. 
by, as a boy, stand at the door and wait if they want something. Okay, he's standing at the door. What is he doing? Listening. He's hearing the conversations. Then he's upgraded. Okay, get me that. Go to the market. Get this. So he goes to the market. What does he learn at the market? He learns prices. He learns how, you know, people work. How about Prophet Musa, salam? Prophet Musa was sent to the Pharaoh. Pharaoh at the time, as, as bad as he is, and we don't praise anyone who's that evil, right? We don't praise anyone, but he did have a quality. He was a competent leader. He led his people for, he lived a long life. Some people say he lived past 200 years old, right? He lived a long life as a competent leader. So are we going to say that Prophet Musa, السلام, that Allah sent him to the, live with the Pharaoh for no reason? No, Prophet Musa, السلام, he picks things up, right? And we don't praise uh, pharaohs, evildoers, and we don't say that a prophet learned from an evildoer, right? It's just not a good expression. But what's the reality? How about the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu He went to the marketplace. He was a shepherd. He did these jobs, right? So Allah Ta'ala, even the great prophets, who did they learn from, right? Sometimes they learned worldly matters from worldly people, right? So there's nothing wrong in, in that idea of separation between matters of deen and matters of dunya. And as a matter of fact, in the Muslim world, Muslims were at the cutting edge of science, technology, liberal arts, even in, 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 in a number of fields for a very long time. Yeah. And, you know, when they, when they made the astrolabe, for example, or when they were seafaring people, other cultures and nations weren't able to do a lot of the things that Muslims could do based on the technology that they had. They weren't looking at the Muslims and thinking, oh, you know, we, we also want this. A lot of them were thinking, you know, this is the, I, know, I remember the coffee bean, it was actually called the Muhammadan bean at, at one point by, by the, the Christians and other people. And they didn't use the things because they were used by Muslims. And I think Muslims mm-hmm. also fall into this, uh, this thinking, this, this, this thought process today, right? Which is we treat technology and the advancements uh, of today as sort of the other when we shouldn't, right? Muslims have always been, we, we never had sort of a Galileo moment in which the church was as opposed to, uh, as opposed to, uh, was where the church was opposed to Galileo science. Yeah. No, we never had anything like that. So, I mean, when we're talking about this topic, uh, we can use psychological feelings like or psychological you know subtopics like fear and they can be examined through regular cause and effect uh uh processes so that's what that's where we got that's why we had that tangent but it's to go back and when we discuss fear it can be a neutral topic that we can discuss and it will have the edges and the foundations may be iman based right we might have that but that's the idea. That's so, why I said that. So, yeah, just because if we go into that level of, you know, talking about fear and solely referring to, you know, confusing it up with the taqwa, right? And in a sense, you, you won't achieve what you're trying to achieve. Right. Right. There, there is a, there is a, a way in which Iman definitely does tie into these things, though. And it's when you have a fear that is coming from a lack of trust in either you know, Allah's decree for you or um, 
the results that that Allah has chosen for it's really a lack of trust and it's a lack of tawakkul. Yeah. Yeah. And uh that that leads you to fear. You know, where and and that fear can sometimes cause people to do not just things that are haram because they show a lack of trust in Allah, but even that are haram in and of themselves. Like you fear hunger and you steal yeah. or you know, etc. I won't go into a whole list of examples. And uh, one go ahead. Uh, one one element where we can bring an intersection between our Iman and Allah and the topic of fear is the idea that if Allah created something, and he mentions it all over the Quran, okay? Uh, so it exists, it's there, it's one of his creations. We have to believe that it has a great wisdom. And once we start from that being our starting point, then it's not about how to ever avoid fear. It's about how to coexist with fear. And in order to do that, it's to contemplate what spawns out of fear? So from fear, you know, I was thinking about this. Uh, certain elements like courage could never exist without fear. Certain knowledge could never exist. Victory and achievement would have no value if they weren't preceded by fear, right? So f- when the idea that we believe that Allah is the creator of fear causes us to take a, a more positive perspective. Like we don't like fear, but it exists how do we maximize our relationship with it? I think let's back up a little bit because I'm going to ask this question because I don't really know the answer to it. Mm-hmm. But what exactly is fear? That's a good question. I mean, Alex, do you have an answer? It's a feeling. I mean, you can't, you can't define it without using the word, right? So that's yeah. a bad definition. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it's a feeling, isn't it? It's, uh, yeah. Uncertainty? <sighs> no. Sometimes you, it's uncertain. And you're afraid of it, right? Like, yeah. like punishment of the hellfire, or like speaking of fire, like you know that fire will burn you. Fire. There's nothing uncertain yeah. about it, right. and so you're gonna be afraid of. You see a roaring fire somewhere, yep. you're not gonna walk towards it because you're afraid of it. Or yeah. if you're standing on a cliff, you know if you fall, you're gonna die. You're right. scared of so, falling off, but so there's a there, and there's a difference between phobias, like your bee thing, and uh, rational, <laughs> legitimate fears. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the bee thing is legit, man. If a, if a if a bee came into my car, I'm likely crashing. <laughs> let me let me tell you a quick aside that you're gonna love. One time, I was uh, I was outdoors doing some something, and uh, when I went back to my car, I had wipes, like you know the kind you like those uh, they come in the plastic bottle. So I, I was just wiping my hands, cleaning my hands with them, and uh, all of a sudden I got swarmed. Like I mean, like two, three dozen bees out of nowhere like quick like that they just showed up and i was like what the heck is going on out here um i figured out that it was the scent in the the wipes they were like they had like a citrus scent i guess it's mm. like some kind of nectar that bees so, are wow. attracted to i think you would have like <laughs> you <would've> just <laughs> died on the spot so <laughs> they were everywhere and there was no getting away from it. subhanallah so here's some here's one way to, to define one of these uh these things because every time i looked at a definition they gave me some nonsense right it's a biochemical whatever uh <laughs> <laughs> but what is the opposite of fear right and that's the definition of fear like what is hot right what is the hot? opposite of fear courage no would it be courageous to run it's, into a fire no it's it sakina? sakina it's sakina yeah. the opposite of fear is security right right all ah, right what's the opposite of hunger satiation Right. right. Yes. What's the opposite of hot, cold? So certain things can only be known by their opposites. And then 
honestly, it becomes, uh, you know, just academic to give a definition. We all know what fear is, right? I mean, it's like the definition of the word we use for illness is disease, right? Yeah. It's a lack of ease. Yeah, dis-ease, ah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Lack of ease. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, forgiving. Some, sometimes, sometimes fear is empowering too or, or useful or beneficial, um, you know, and there's, I've noticed in my life as a Muslim that there's different types of people. And this is why Allah promises rewards and also uh, guarantees you punishments. And also uh, there's a lot of uh, discussion in the Quran and the Sunnah about love of Allah, right? Yeah. Like these are three different motivations for people. And mm-hmm. there's, there's those three different types of humans that are motivated that way. Like I know people who are like, I pray because I don't want to be punished. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid of the hellfire and I, 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 it's why I pray and fast and why I don't uh, commit sins, right? Or why I try to stay away from haram. And there's other people that are, you know, they want the reward of Allah. And that's what they want, the, the things that are promised in Jannah. And they want, you know, and they go, I'm praying to Hajjud because I'm a mu'min and I want, and I want to obey Allah, but also because I really want those rewards in, in paradise and inshallah I'll get there. And then there's people that are doing it just because they're doing it. And I'm not saying any of those, one is better than the other. It's, this is the way that people are made up and Allah knows his creation. Yeah, I was, I was just going to add that, you know, onto Alex's point that fear can be useful. Um, you know, Allah has put into us a, a inherent fear of, of death, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and that allows us to protect our lives, right? So if you're on a, if you're on a highway and you're driving, you see an oncoming car, coming straight at you, that fear is going to cause you to swerve out the way, try to protect your own life. So that is also a mechanism that is inside of us so that we can protect what is important as well. Yeah. And, and fear, I think when we talk about fear, I think the strongest of people are those who know how to face their fears. It's not that they don't have fear, but they've learned how to deal with it and realize this fear exists for a great wisdom. One of the wisdoms is that it makes, it allows you to be exclusive, right? Like how many people have the courage, you know, things that require courage, like being a brain surgeon, right? Even the idea of medical school. So it allows people to be exclusive. So the harder, the easier choices you make in life, the harder your life will become because you refuse to make a hard choice. So that's why the easy life of the great successful people, it's exclusive because they're the ones who had the courage to face their fears, right? So that's why I think the, the theme here, I think, is it's always, it's how do you coexist with it and maximize benefits from it? And there are probably methods we can learn, right? And how By the way, Sheikh, if I can just say something. Yeah. The, the, the successful, powerful people never have it easy. Yeah. Even at the height yeah. of their success. Mm-hmm. They're, not, they're not the ones that are sitting back with umbrella drinks and living it up that's yeah. actually probably their kids or their mm-hmm. family members or somebody that's living off of them but those people they don't stop you know what i think though with those people i think that they've number one gotten accustomed maybe even addicted and maybe they love challenges yeah so that's they actually bring stress upon themselves because uh not bad stress it's because they've come to discover a divine formula that exists in the world or like a world, a formula that exists in this dunya, which is identify what you're afraid of, find a systematic method to defeat it. Okay. And then defeat it, go on that journey to defeat it or, or to overcome it or find something that you love 
and what's the obstacle in front of it and conquer those obstacles. So they do that and they love it and they get results. Then they realize, you know what? It wasn't even the result. It was the journey that I loved, right? So he sets himself to find another journey. And that's why these guys, you can't tell them, oh, you created a multi-billion dollar company. You became governor of the state. Why don't you just stop? He can't stop because what's the alternative? Looking at the walls and eating steaks all day, right? Uh, And being on a beach, that's not fun. It's a journey and facing my fears and having all that. That's really what's more fun and more exhilarating. And not only fun, it's you learn, right? And that person becomes more powerful. He comes because he learns some principles on the way, some little secrets of the world on the way. And then as they're, you know, now 50 and 60, a challenge to them is completely insane for anyone else, right? Is a completely another world. For them, the challenge is something so massive because now he's strong. He has so many super, so, so-called superpowers. What, we mean, what I mean by that is all the little things that he's, the tricks, the life hacks that he's learned along the way, the psychological hacks that he's learned along the way has made him almost into like a superpower type of person. And he's able to now take on goals and challenges that was even unimaginable to himself 20 years ago. So that's where the idea of fear and the ability and the will to face a person's fears, right? It becomes something almost exhilarating. It becomes lessons that they learn and it becomes almost an addiction. I will also say that fears are, they also have levels, right? There's a, there's a difference between being afraid of the dark and being afraid of a guy coming at you with a gun, right? There, there's levels to this fear. Uh, and, and I would also say there's levels to irrational fears as well. So for example, there's that one guy, I forget his name. He's able to climb, uh, a bunch of mountains without rope. I forget. He had, there's a special on him as well. That's your guy. Whip Helm. That's your right? guy. Will Whip Helm, Helm or whatever. The, the breathing guy, isn't it? Talk about uh, Wim Hof. No, no, that's Wim Hof. No, 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 not this guy. Uh-huh. I'm talking about Alex something. His name is Alex. Uh, oh, let me look, somebody look him up. His name's like Alex uh, something. He could, so he, he's free able climber. to climb. He's a free climber, right? So he, he scales these mountains and he does it without rope. If you, if you watch his, uh, there's a documentary that he, that I think discovery did and it's watching him is, is, is scary. Like how this guy has the courage to be able to scale this mountain without any rope. Mm-hmm. Now for him, let's say climbing a, a small hill, that's probably not even scary. It's probably not even a big deal. For yeah. us, we don't have the skill to do that. I don't even have the skill to climb to climb know, a small hill. I don't even have the skill to climb the the stupid wall at the playground, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's there. I think fear is also with practice, right? It gets better. A lot of people have asked me, "Do I ever feel nervous hosting this podcast or doing a talk or doing any of these things?" The answer is absolutely right? Absolutely. We do. And absolutely. I fear getting the topic wrong. I fear doing something incorrectly. Uh, I fear going in the wrong direction or saying something that I shouldn't have said. I fear getting on the mic and what people will think, but that doesn't stop me from doing so. Right. That's the only difference. Um, Recognizing that 
you have fear and continuing to do so anyways is often the, the way to practice and get over these things. So let me give you two things if you're done. Are you done? Yeah, yeah go ahead. Okay. So the first thing is the reason, you know, part of the plan of, in terms of conquering a person's fear, overcoming someone's fear. So there are two things in there. One of them is that people have to change their behavior and people are very afraid of changing their habits. So that's the idea of the unknown, right? People are afraid of the unknown. And there's this great uh, funny story that's told about a king. He had a criminal in front of him. And so the criminal and this king was a wise man, right? He was like a psychologist type of king. And he said he used to play games with all his criminals. And he said, all right, you're going to be killed, right? So the guy's got, he's going to kill the guy anyway, so he might as well toy with him a little bit. So he said to, his, um, to the guy, you can either get the rope or you can get what's behind that door. And the guy immediately says, I'll just take the rope. I don't know what's behind the door. It could be like a saw. It could be a vat of oil. It could be a bear, right? Or a tiger or something like that. So he got the rope. And then as the guy, as the noose is tightening on his neck, the criminals, without delay, without fault, uh, you know, uh, flaw, they always ask the king. So, by the way, what was behind the door? And then he always tells them, "Your freedom." <laughs> behind the door was. I didn't say you'd be punished by either one. I said you'd get either one: the rope or the door, or what's behind the door. And everyone chooses the rope because everyone's afraid of the unknown, right? And so, fear of the unknown, Sayyidina Ali talked about, is one of the greatest fears. And that's why. What is the the common trope in, in all horror movies, they play that background music and then they have a door, right? Now, and this is the amazing thing about the subconscious is that even when you know what's coming, you still feel it, right? Even if a salesman was to come up to you and you had a textbook and you know he's going to use this technique, this technique, this technique, it doesn't matter if you know it, it's still going to work on you, right? So that's why people watch horror movies. They're still on the edge of their seat when they know that she will open the door and something bad will happen, Right? So that, but it's still, you know, uh, so the fear of the unknown is the one thing. The sec, uh, and changing behavior is critical. Now about changing behavior, the point I had about that was actually from the Quran, which is that when Prophet Musa was told to throw his staff and it became a serpent and the serpent started chasing him and he ran away from the serpent, right? Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, take it and don't have fear. Now, one of the most amazing things in tafsir that I, uh, is that Allah doesn't say, don't be afraid, take it. Isn't that what we do? Don't be afraid, jump, right? Don't be afraid, do it. Allah says, do it and don't be afraid. Why? And in that, he gives us a medicine of fear, distraction. Distraction is the, and action, specifically action. All right, action away from the fear is the greatest uh, cure to fear. It actually totally diverts fear. It's like having a mirror that diverts a, a ray of light or rays of sound. So by taking action, your fear dissipates, right? And I That's think the lesson there. The, the, the easiest thing to do, I think there is a way to separate <clears throat> rational fear and irrational fear. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's why I said earlier, my fear of bees is really just an irrational fear because there there is absolutely a difference between the room next door is dark and I need to go grab a book and I'm scared versus a person with a gun 
at my door. Those are two absolutely different fears. One is rational. You should absolutely be afraid of the guy at the door and take precautions to make changes to whatever you're doing to be away from that threat. Mm -hmm. The room next door, you rationally know that there's nothing wrong in that room. There's no nothing going on. It's literally just dark. And it's yeah. the fear of the unknown and the darkness that's making you afraid. And so How do you, you know there's nothing room. in there? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you're Daisy, right? What, what are you trying to say about Daisy's? <laughs> Should I know all the gin stories? <laughs> I, I've heard so many gin stories at this point that, you know, the gin stories don't they even don't bother work. me. They don't even bother me anymore i well, just think of them like ani- i just think of them like animals at this point you know if i see a dog i'm gonna be careful of the dog <laughs> like if i see a wolf or something i'm not gonna go if i saw a gin i'd be like okay it's doing it well thing. that actually proves it that actually proves <laughs> the point <laughs> no it, it it proves the point that it's fear of the unknown so yeah. if gin stories are gin is so common right right it's not it's not a thing of fear anymore it's the it's the opposite of the law of diminishing returns right mm-hmm. it's the opposite like the more I'm exposed to something, the less I fear it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And yet the bee would still just, if I, sure. I'd probably be more scared of a bee than a gin. Yeah. <laughs> but way, if you we, were to uh, get stung five, six, seven more times in the coming year and you were to come back to us next year, you wouldn't be afraid of him anymore. Of course. I know. I know this. Uh, yeah. It's just, uh, I, there is so, very little benefit in me actually getting stung, overcoming this fear and then right. being like, I'm not no longer afraid of bees. because you still got stung. Yeah. But can you tell me why your uh, closet door is opening by itself? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Made you look. <laughs> hey, could it could have slid? It could have been a gin. You never know. Yeah, you never know. Let the so, brother pray. You know, on 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 this on this topic of of fear and when it can be beneficial and when it can, be, you know, the, one of my one of my favorite hadith on this topic is uh, it's in Bukhari, um, and the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam relates that a man from the previous generations, um, yeah. Allah had given him a lot of wealth and a lot of children, yeah. And uh, as he was getting close to his uh, when he was on his deathbed, he went to his children. and He said, "Have I been a good father to you?" And they said, "Yeah, you've been a great father." And he said, "But I haven't been obedient to Allah." I haven't stored up, I think the wording is I haven't stored up a lot of good deeds. SubhanAllah. So he said, if I was a good father to you, I ask you one thing. When I die, burn up my, my body until it's like ash, grind it up. And then when a strong wind comes, just throw it and scatter it all over the world. Mm. He did that. In the hadith, we're told that he did that because he was afraid of a lost right. punishment. <clears throat> right. Yeah. And he thought that he could, you know, Escape. disperse his ashes everywhere and then he would be protected from that in the hereafter. Um, and so that when on the day of judgment, Allah reconstitutes him and resurrects him whole, wholly in his body. And because of that alone forgives him. SubhanAllah. Right. Because he didn't have a lot of good deeds. In fact, he didn't have any good deeds to, to bring with him in the afterlife, but he had fear of Allah Subhanallah. and believed in him and believed in his punishment. SubhanAllah. And, and fear, I think that you can study this topic, right? And you could actually find ways and, and to detect when fear is coming and how to handle it. So you handle fear with, you know, with, ac- with action right away. You handle fear with dhikrullah right away. You, you handle fear with, and, and this is misery loves company, right? But you also fear 
is also removed by the group. There is another story about the parable, like allegory that was told about the bull, where a young bull was with his dad, and he said, uh, is there anything we should fear in the, in the savannah or whatever it is? And, you know, I don't know, these wildebeests or bulls or whatever. And he said, yes, we, are, we fear the lion here. He said, oh, man, if I ever saw, he's like a young bull. He's a baby bull, right? If I ever saw a lion, I would run the other way so fast. The father said, that's exactly what you shouldn't do, right? He said, why? He says, because that's exactly what's going to separate you from the herd. And then the lion will come chase after you, and he's faster than you, right? So you're going to have nobody to protect you. So he said, then what should I do? He said, you should stand there and look at him and then start digging your foot and then start putting your horns down, right? So that he can see your horns and see that you're looking at him and see that behind you is the big herd, right? And that way, if the lion comes at you, you would have a whole herd with their horns behind you, you know, to spike the lion. So the lesson in that is jama'ah, is that when there's fear, you stick to the group. And that's why in our philosophy of dawah, all these people who are so afraid either of whatever causes that are out there, and there are reasons to be afraid. There are groups out there trying to ruin and corrupt your kids. There are websites. There are, there's fitan, 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 fitna, fitna everywhere, right? The fitna of pornography. They go to school and it's boyfriends and girlfriends and girlfriends for, you know, whatever. And you, you go to uh, college and it's another calamity. All fitan, people are afraid. So the solution for fear is be with the group. No matter what, even if you don't like the group. Sayyidina Adi said, the large group with its pollution is better than the sect with its purity. Why? Because the sect with its purity could die off. It could be picked off one at a time. Whereas the large group is impossible it's why Allah, uh, to, to, to eliminate. That's why Allah has given us as an ummah, whenever he's taken the political auto- uh, power away from, uh, autonomy and, and will away from the ummah, he's granted them numbers. So we have such great numbers. All we have to do is stick with our jama'ah and we should be safe. So this is why we can hack fear, right? You can study and you can hack at fear. It's in the way that you realize that there's going to be benefits in this. We can transform this fear into a benefit and maximize it. I would also say, I wouldn't put the idea of taqwa together with fear like we talked about earlier, Hmm. but I think when I imagine great people of the past men or women yeah i maybe perhaps it's just a a romantic notion that i have but i don't imagine that these people would have silly fears right i don't i don't imagine that someone like uh uh sayyidina would have you know a a fear of 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 bees or some silly fear like this right uh i would (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Dr. Shandy just put up like a <laughs> an image of a bee, oh, yeah. a yellow jacket. See, this is this is terrifying to me. Are this you is... serious? <laughs> really? So, I mean, you I know, mean, I have I have hornets that live inside my house. No, no, okay, no, no. We're in the attic. There's a hornet. There's hornet's nest in the Moin, attic. Just just watch bee stings on t- on on the internet all day, and you won't be afraid of them. By the way, they're medicinal for a lot of you. Like if you have arthritis or a stiff joint or something, you get stung by bees. Yeah, it helps. There's nothing. There's nothing. I got wrong stung with by that. a bee a lot as a kid. I got stung yeah. by it in the head at playgrounds. I hate bees, but I don't have like that crazy like you know. 
Yeah. Like I, I've seen those videos of beekeepers and they're like, yeah. and they're just like, you know, moving the bees and stuff. And it just, just the noise of the bees just rattles yeah. me. Yeah. I stayed, I, mean, at, I stayed at a place in uh, like close to Amish country. Yeah. What, what are you doing? I'm, I'm getting you out of this crazy, yeah, irrational this thing right now. right now. So this place was great, oh, right? God. Because um, can't watch this. the owner of the property... <laughs> The owner of the property, on top, <laughs> on top of having like a like a bed and breakfast and a farm and stuff, yeah, he, he was a beekeeper. So he made his own honey. So yeah. there's always bees flying everywhere on the property. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah. This is this I mean, this bee being afraid of bees is. I feel like it's not that common, but arachnophobia is really common. Yeah, See, that doesn't bother me that much. Are you, okay, listen to this. I'll let, let's talk about fear here. Uh, let me pause this video of a bee sting. I'm not trying to psych out uh, Moeen here, but <laughs> check this out. Listen to this. When we went to Fez, Morocco, I was like 17 years old or, and, or 18 years old. We're going and I'd never been to such a you know, simple country. And this, this is the old city, right? I've been to Egypt, obviously, but this was the old city of Fez. Mm -hmm. And the first day we get there, th firstly, there's no air condition. The place is completely open air, right? The little area that we live in. Uh, and it was an old madrasa, very pretty, but very old. Now, there are roaches everywhere. This school has not been in use for like decades upon decades upon decades, right? Where the, and, and of course, being, you know, this is the Arab way, they started to dust up the place five, 10 minutes before we got there, right? <laughs> they, know, they know we're having the program. They started dusting. You would think they dust up, they clean it up. No, they started dusting up. As we were walking in, though, they brought in some cleaners to dust up. There were roaches everywhere. And when I say everywhere, I mean everywhere. So some brothers, they went out there, they bought flip-flops and they started killing roaches. They bought toothpaste and they started plugging up holes in the, in the building with toothpaste, right, to lock out the roaches. Nonetheless, this problem was not going to be solved for another day or two. So I had for the first time the idea that I'm going to be living here sleeping and there are roaches in the room and there's a very tiny room, right? And the roaches are coming in from the hallway. They're coming in through holes. So I couldn't sleep. And I thought to myself, okay, there, we got to do something. So what I did is I did the following. I try to rationalize this. What are you actually afraid of? And I thought I came to the conclusion that you're only truly afraid of the roach entering into one of the holes in your body, right? Because like if there's in your ear and laying eggs, yeah. If if you think about it, if someone told you there's going to be a roach on your arm, well, what are you actually afraid of? It's not a really a big deal if you think about it. Going okay. inside of you, right? It's going inside of you. So, right. So, how am I going to solve that problem? All right. Let's just imagine that a roach is entering inside me right now. Right? That's just, freaking out some viewers, listeners of ours. Well, listen. Do you want to sleep or not? That's yeah. the question, right? <laughs> Do you want to survive? It's a 30-day trip. You're not going anywhere, right? And damn, I, I'm not going to let this ruin this trip as my first. I'm 18 years old. You get to spend 30 days with Hamza Yusuf in Morocco. Who, you want to waste that on roaches? So you got to <laughs> get rid of this thing real fast. And I, I look at it as a game. This is not be, being a, a courageous. This is just, it's a game to me. Who's going to win, me or roach? So I'm going to psych myself out. All right, the roach is going to go up any body, a part of your body, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, okay, Let's say it goes my, into your mouth. In your ear. 
in up your mouth. Your nose. Up yeah. your nose. Okay. So you just got to wear earplugs. One of your mouth. orifices, right? Yeah. Exactly. So just psych yourself out. Okay. It happens. Imagine that it already happens. Yeah. That's, that's, that's another. Too. It's very bad news. But imagine. No, I got worse news. It's actually got worse the, news? the other what problem is, is also that they spread disease. Yeah, they do. But luckily, I was <laughs> not knowledgeable of that. Right. <laughs> but here's actually one of the life hacks or the fear hacks that you can use is imagine that it already happened. Right. Just imagine that it already happened. Now, how do you go on living? So that's how I actually slept very soundly that night by imagine it already happened. Right. And here it is. It's happened. It's inside my nose. It's in my ear. I as well. I might as might as well, you know, sleep now that it's already in my ear. Okay, so that's how I already do it. So, uh, you know, that's a, li- a little trick that I didn't think about it. I didn't read it. I just thought about it because I had to. I had no other choice. Yeah, I, I experienced that right here in America. Didn't even have to go all the way to Morocco to experience the roaches <laughs> um, in, in in an apartment I used to live in before. The te- there's. When you woke up in the morning, there was just like dead roaches all over the kitchen because you would like we would like chalk up everything and put yeah. So many times, I mean, they would just come out in the daytime too. And even I remember we were I was watching a movie one day and there were just like three roaches just like crawled up over my foot and I'm just like, what's going on over here, right? So I remember multiple times just I had I had a bunch of roommates. So this was back in college. So we we made chalk lines around us. Yeah. And then we would like sleep inside of the chalk line. Otherwise, so the roaches. Would what were you using for the chalk line? Like actual chalk? No, or no. I think powder? there's yeah, like the powder thing, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have been breathing that stuff. Boric anymore. acid. No, yeah. boric acid. Boric acid. They use it in ophthalmic solutions. It's not. It's not harmful to you. Yeah. So we use boric acid. Eventually, how I got rid of them is like there's, there's like this. Uh, I actually recommended it to the apartment complex, and they ended up using it. But I bought this thing off of eBay. <laughs> it was like this uh a plug-in no it was like a tube and it was like some some me- some chemical they would eat it and they would take it back to their homes and they would kill their god yeah. listen you know i have an irrational fear Roach myself genocide. right i have a i have an irrational fear myself and that i was thinking and i love to prepare right so i was preparing all right let's say if i get covid19 where am i going to quarantine myself right so your so, your fear is no listen not being prepared no no listen listen oh I I hate being unprepared but my fear was if I get COVID nineteen where am I going to quarantine yeah right it's going to have to be the basement mm-hmm. but we have a you know basements always have centipedes in them centipedes it's, it's not yeah. finished right yeah these things I have a mattress in the basement I have pretty much everything I need in the basement but there are cert- for some reason because it's not a finished basement look at these centipedes yeah they're centipedes, crazy and they're fast. Bro, it if won't I, do anything fast. to you though. It won't. Oh, they're actually good to have around. They'll yeah. kill everything else for you. You're joking. Yeah. Yeah. They're, like what? they're, they're every other kind of bug. Else. Every other bug, they'll take care of it for you. Same for thing sure. with spiders. I love having spiders in my house. It keeps I don't all mind. The other bugs okay. I don't. Yeah. I, for some reason, I never minded spiders, but centipede to me is so gross. They're very creepy. Disgusting. Yeah. They're, they're very creepy. Yeah. So just imagine this. Imagine you're sleeping and then there's a centipede. Yeah. Right. I would have to redo after 25 years or whatever. I have to redo that psychological experiment on myself. Right? If I have to quarantine myself in the basement with these centipedes, or maybe I have to get boric acid and, and douse draw, myself draw with boric acid. Right? Yeah. Sheikh, yeah. Just a couple of days ago, 
I was in my living room right after Fedger, so it's still dark out. And yeah. uh, I saw what I swore was a mouse run across my living room into my kitchen. Yeah. And I was like, come on, man, a mouse? Are you kidding me? I <laughs> yeah. have a cat. How do I have a mouse in my house? Yeah. So I got up. I ran over to see what it was. It was a centipede. Oh, my god! so big that it yeah. couldn't even go so underneath nasty. the kitchen counters. Yeah. Like, it was nasty. like it couldn't fit in the crevices. Oh, my <laughs> god, That's disgusting. <laughs> and the thing is, when you squash those things, you got to mop up because they oh, just the legs keep moving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the nerves. <laughs> so here's the thing with fears is that you can hack through your fears. Just to give a summary, to give yeah. some structure here. So number one is there's a beautiful uh, concept, which is <clears throat> organizing your thoughts, not based on your goals, based on your fears, right? Because that's what's going to make you stronger and that's what allow you to attain your goals. So don't we all say, what's your five-year plan, right? Always say, like, what do you want to attain in five years or what do you want to attain now? But why don't we ever look at what are your fears? Because if your fears keep piling up over time, your life is miserable. But if you can say to yourself, well, how many fears have you overcome? You become far more powerful as a human being. Yeah. But we never think like that. We always say, what have I attained? But in the course of attaining things, you might actually pile up the same amount of fears. So your income and your expenses of your life are the same. So it's far smarter to decrease your expenses or decrease your fears, right? So by decreasing your, by tackling what you fear head on, that's rule number one. Step number one, if you're going to life hack or you're going to hack through your fears is actually putting pen to paper on what do you actually fear? And I'm telling you, one of my big fears that like my 10 year plan is I want to be able to have a plan in place with having done dry runs, having done drills, right? Of if, electricity and society break down completely right remember i always talk about this right i'm telling you <laughs> by age 50 by age 50 i will have purchased a couple plots of land maybe a plot of lands in a Bunker. abandoned cheap area i'll have lambs sheeps goats and chickens yeah. and a dog a german shepherd and i will have a bunker right i'm going to have a bunker with beans dry goods water beds right and everything needed to protect myself because that's you know one of my fears by so the way I, you John, know there's a show on tv called like american preppers or something yeah, like doomsday that? preppers yeah. by the oh, way really? doc the yeah. first rule of of that is that you're not supposed to tell people you never tell <laughs> the first rule of prepping is you never, you tell, never tell people that you got a bunker by the way that, that's, that's right be the target yeah. when when we had that hurricane a few years ago and everything went down right yeah yeah and we all we lost all power yeah. Yeah, I have a there's I have a friend who who had like a store. He had like six months of food or something like that just to be yeah. you know on the safe side. And as we're driving up to go to my mother's house, my my because she still had power. My wife was like, "What happens if uh, if everything goes down?" I was yeah. like, well, "No, so and so, he's got six <laughs> months of food. <laughs> I'm a better shot than he is." <laughs> All right, so I made mistake number one. I didn't seek. I didn't. I didn't do enough learning. I guess. I did learn one thing is that you have to check if you're going to build, if it's a flood area, because I was reading about one fellow prepper and he was, uh, he had a hundred thousand dollars worth of investment in his bunker, but he and never he checked if it was a flood area and he lost it. <laughs> <laughs> what an idiot. <laughs> okay. So arranging life based upon the elimination of fears 
as much as the attainment of goals. So that's the number one thing. The number two thing is now getting, you know, uh, preparing to change your behavior. Going to change how you live, right? You have to change your behavior if you're going to confront your fears, right? So that's the second really major thing. And then, uh, you know, the third thing is that, you know, it takes time to do these things. It's going to take time to change your behavior layer after layer until you're able to conquer your fears. I will say one fear that people often have that is regularly conquered by a lot of people is yeah. the fear of, of, of money, risk, especially when, you know, starting your own business, leaving a job. Uh, I, when I started my own company a few years back, I think leaving my job was, was one of the biggest fears of my life, right? It was just, yeah. We had just had a daughter and thinking about health insurance, all these things and, and abandoning all of that to yeah. start this business. And <clears throat> people ask, you know, weren't you scared to do that? Of course I was, right? It's, it's, yeah. uh, I was very scared. I was scared on a daily basis. I was scared on a minute to minute basis, right? Of what's going to happen? How am I going to do this? But that doesn't mean you don't do things, right? I think it's yeah. it's analyzing, like I talked about earlier, rationally, what is the risks? And then you have to sometimes just say bismillah and go for it. And not only that, you know what else this helps is that rule of the jama'ah, which is the, the fourth point, right? The fourth point in this hack is that you, you, you became an entrepreneur, right? Okay, or, you know, that word is very liberally used, a business owner, right? Yeah. You became. So... There are business owner blogs. There are business owner groups. There are business owner, you know, websites that you all can chit chat and talk about, right? Where how to overcome. So that's where the Jama'at and that story of the bull takes place, right? Is that one of the ways to overcome a fear is to join a group of people who are doing this. And you all are now sharing in the same issue, but you're also sharing in the same solutions too. So that's On top of that, I'll even add, I'm actually yeah. a failed business owner, right? It didn't work out. Yeah. But what well, one means... thing to show is I'm still doing fine, right? It didn't yeah. work out. You know, I had to try something else and then eventually I had to get I mean, another job. I don't think it w didn't work out for you. I think they ju you just got a better offer, right? Yeah. Because you, yeah. you weren't going broke. Yeah. No, no, you, not at you all. You just right. had a better offer. I mean, right. even the fact that where you got that offer that was so good was because she found you as a business, right? Yes, that's true. You, you told me the story that she found you as a business and she said, hey, well, forget the contract. Why don't you just be, yeah. you know, employee, yeah. right? And you found it was better. It was better off. I think. I think that one aspect of this where you can kind of uh, intersect the idea of taqwa into this discussion is that even if you find yourself in a situation that is like an adverse situation, that's not a good situation, you don't have to necessarily look at that as, um, you know. Uh, a situation in which you have to despair, right? So even yeah. if even if you end up, uh, you know, down on your luck, right? You still have uh, hope uh, in Allah. So so that's one of the things that you can kind of take away is that even if even if you fear something and it happens, you know, like Doctor Shetty was ap was saying, you know, the the cockroach finds its way inside of you. Now what, yeah. right? Like you can still move on from that uh, situation in a way that's that's rational. Yeah. And let me tell you something else. There was another, you know, the Eastern people, they have a lot of great wisdom, right? And one of them said that there was, a, you know, one of these, you know, people and his mentor said, well, today's lesson is you're going to meet fear. And I want you to spend time with fear and learn from him so that you can live with him in the future. 
because this is the idea that you got to coexist with fear. They have the same idea, right? And I think these are, you know, uh, Alex, what is knowledge? We said logic, we said is a, um, it's a type of knowledge that everyone has, right? It's, it's something that we can all come to the same conclusion. So in any event, common this, sense. It's no, it was, what do we call it? It's a, um, no, it's like, uh, subhanAllah. It's not something that needs to be, it's common sense, but there's a technical word for it. Right. I can't remember what it is, but in any event, uh, so he goes and he said, he sits with fear and he's like, well, how do you, he's trying to think, how do you fear scare people? He said, oh, I have so many tricks in my toolbox, right? I have so many things that are ways. I, and then he said, he came to the, he goes back to the mentor of his and he said, well, what did you learn from fear? He said, this, this, and this. He said, no, no, you haven't learned yet. Go ask the right question. So he finally comes to asking the right question and he says, how do you defeat your opponent? And he says, I can only defeat my opponent as long as they obey me. As soon as they disobey me, I start dying. Right? So as soon as you disobey your fear, that fear starts to go away. Right? And so that's really the hack, that's really the hack right there. It's that uh, whatever you fear, start taking actions, even if it's very small, in the opposite direction of fear. So since we're on the topic of fear, yeah. I have a second fear. I have okay. a second fear. It's uh, you, you need a shrink at this point. Uh, how, this is the, I think Moeen wanted to do this as like a therapy, uh, <laughs> you know, podcast for for his fears. The, the B, the B one, I'm gonna have to look into. A yeah. second fear I have is the uncanny valley, which is. Uh, so it's it's you, you fear stuff we don't even know what it is. <laughs> It's when robots look like humans, but they don't look completely human, so it freaks you out. This is the singularity related to that? No, Not no. really. No. Okay. It's, it, so here, let me share my screen. I will show you one of these things. Uh, it, it's, it's when a, they do this a lot in films um, or when they have those animatronic robot type things where there'll be a robot that's supposed to look like a human, but it doesn't look like a human. Yeah, and so you feel it. This just terrifies me. Those wow. those weird like looking John Travolta's hair, and you yeah. it never really looks like his natural never. hair. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's what it is. That's what it is. Tell me exactly what is John Travolta's hair because he's been in the news lately, and I'm like, that guy has a great head of hair. But is that true? No, right? he's bald. Yeah, he's male pattern baldness. I think he's. Oh, so plugs. that's what it is, huh? Yeah. So what is it? Plugs or something? I'm no, thinking it's, myself. It's like glued on wigs. Oh, oh okay. Because you know he's from New Jersey, right? Yeah. I didn't so know he's, that. Oh, he's like one of him and John Bon Jovi, and these are like local celebrities. So, when I mean, you, what what did that have to do? What? Why did you uh, bring that up? The Uncanny Valley thing. <laughs> like out, man. Like oh. I mentioned, it's just, just a, a therapy. Just a therapy thing. Okay. <laughs> hey, Moeen, did you ever see the episode of Black Mirror with the uh, mechanical bees? No. This is like the convergence of your greatest fears. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that part of Hunger Games too? The mechanical wasps? Something yeah, like fake that. wasps. Yeah. I can't watch scenes with bees or wasps. Like I said, there's that movie Killer Bees. It just, there's like tons and tons of bees that attack this there's house. This movie from this the point, 70s. needs a hypnotist. <laughs> there's, there's this great movie is that from the 70s. I don't know. What's yeah, wrong with just, it? Wait, what? There's this great movie from the 70s you should check out. It's called The Food of the Gods. 
Mm-hmm. Mm. Really good. Well, now I know that for the next uh, uh, Eid or something, I'm going to uh, buy Moine gift I'm card cool. for the, the AA meetings or whatever for yeah. various fears. AA meetings? <laughs> That's for <laughs> alcoholics. Yeah, well, they <laughs> probably have branched off for they bees. They have that BB meeting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so is hypnotism halal? Can I, I've thought about, can I do this? To get well, what is it? Here? I mean, is it even a real thing? Like they just tell you to close your eyes and think about some stuff. It's no, just there's, like guided. there's like le- legit medical, like trained uh, hypnotism. Okay. And then there's like there's like stage. Yeah. Hypnotism. So why would it be? Har- isn't it a secular type, like just a technique? I don't know. I guess so. What what is it? What exactly is? Uh, what it's a relaxation exactly technique. Is, uh, it's a yeah, guided they, they, relaxation. They talk you through it, right? Yeah. Yeah. They talk you through it. They're like you know, relax, breathe. So you should go to a hypnotist and tell us how it works. <laughs> but, here, you know, but, but here it is. Imagine that it already happens because the more you imagine something that happens, first of all, it's very tricky. You can't do this over and over. If you imagine something happens, it's probably going to happen. You're going to make it happen. Okay. And I have this crazy belief that the more you imagine stuff, you're actually moving the little molecules of the world to make it happen. So, but you have to one time, only one time, imagine that it happened. And that you recovered, that you moved mm-hmm. on, only, but only one time, okay? Because if you keep imagining it, you actually might bring it into existence. Our think about our minds are <laughs> He's given this like, yeah. this, right? this hack cycle. So, yeah, we're coming up on Maghrib also. Um, so yeah. <laughs> try so, those things. Okay, so let's. <laughs> on your own time. <laughs> let's do a recap of what we did here. Number one, arrange your goals by elimination of fears. Not just, and, and by the way, whether or not you're afraid of bees, that's really not a big deal because that's, your life is not going to be better if you're not afraid of bees, not afraid of bees right. right? So we need, to, we need fears that your life would actually improve by. For example, if you're completely dependent <clears throat> on one company for your income or one boss for your income and you have no other skill, okay, then you got a problem. So you need to learn another skill. So that's, those are fears that we should really be talking about more so than arachnophobia and right. And There's stuff, real right? fears. For example, someone <clears throat> being a, afraid of Their uh, industry collapsing. Yeah. Correct, or, or, yeah. or let's say abuse and you're not able to get out of a relationship or something like that. Not being able to speak to people who are, who can get you out. Things that's like that. far more, that's far more serious. Yeah. Or, or government. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, government is something the only solution is to move, right? Because what are you going to do against the government? No, not a right? government. The government. government. The government. He feels <laughs> all governments. <laughs> you know, the uh, Arabs uh, word for government means the code word for the wife. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The law. All right. So uh, attaining really freedom not by attaining goals, but by eliminating true and real and, and, and uh, uh, I should say paralyzing fears, such as fear of, you know, my employment skills are only, I have one employment skill. This is a big fear. I'm 50 years old. I only have one skill and I'm not hireable otherwise. That's a real fear. Now, the part two is that you have to face this fear. You have to literally write it down and face it. Number three, face it and make a plan. You have to make a plan, right? Make a plan is number two. Number three is be ready to change your behavior 
action dissolves fear, right? It's action that dissolves fear. You have to take action and be ready to, and, uh, to change your behavior. Number four, okay, is that you have to join a group. You should join a group and find the like-minded people who are doing this. So let's say you're 50 years old. You know that if you get fired, you're not going to be employed again. So you need to learn a, a skill and have your own way of making money, right? You're going to have to learn a skill. Well, you can find other people who are learning that skill and join that community of people, right? In the same way, we as a Muslim, you want to preserve your iman. You want to make sure your, your kids stay, uh, you know, on the straight path. Join groups, communities where they all have the same concern, right? So they'll help you, help you out. Uh, number five. You know, I really don't like this, but it is important. Imagine that it already happens and see what's going to happen, right? So that the fear is not so paralyzing. But you can only do this once because if you keep doing it, you'll make it happen. Lastly, disobey fear. Fear dies when it's disobeyed. When it's obeyed and it freezes you, it gets stronger. It sucks your blood. But when it disobeys you, or when you disobey it, you slowly kill that fear. So there you go. Those are the life hacks on fear. All right. I think we can wrap it up since it's almost mugging up as well. <clears throat> okay, good. Uh, hopefully next time I'm going to be eating, eating bee soup or something. Well, it's called honey, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you like honey already. All right. Jazakumullah khairan. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruk wa natubu ilayk. Wal asr inna al-insana lafi khus. Illa al-ladhina amanu wa aminu salihat. وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر والسلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته <تصفيق>